At Cool Air Products, we developed AC Smart Seal Quick Shot with professionals in mind. It's the only product on the market that's three in one with sealant, lubricant, and UV dye all in a single application. It's non-toxic, non-flammable, 100% safe to the touch, eco-friendly, and compatible with all refrigerants. It's a safe solution option, backed by years of R&D, Intertech tested, and has sealed millions of leaks. AC Smart Seal, the professional's choice. What's up, everybody? So this is the second edition of the Live On Site at the Heat Pump Symposium. Now, we got a bit of a, a heavy-hitting lineup here. We have Guillaume Cali, who is the CEO of Toso Bathica. They are the main distributor of Toso equipment in Canada and also heading down in the U.S. as well. We have Lindsay Showers-Pierce. She is the business development manager for Energy, who is an energy auditing company who will come into the home and do a full energy audit for you. And then we have Dev Malrajan. He is the manager of Intech. They're an engineering and design firm. They're a part of Emco here in Canada. And we're going to talk to these guys about basically designing a heat pump based off what your energy audit tells you of your home. So this is a good one, guys. Listen up. Pay attention. This is the HVAC Know It All podcast. I'm your host, Gary McCready. This podcast is sponsored by Master. Master is the place where I go for 90% of my parts and equipment because I am a York dealer and I'm also a Move Air dealer as well. So I go there for most of my stuff. If you guys are not hooked up with Master yet, check them out, master.ca. This podcast is sponsored by Cintas. They are providers of blue collar uniforms to the blue collar industries, refrigeration, plumbing, HVAC, elevators, car mechanics, you name it. We're all under that umbrella. We're all on the same team together fighting that blue collar fight. So if you guys are looking for something to outfit your team and you're looking for a supplier that can do so, check out Cintas.com forward slash HVAC know it all. What do you guys think of this show so far? Do you think this is the first one, right? This is the first one and it's sold out in a couple of weeks. Guillaume, do you think there's there's, a, there's obviously a hunger for this. What do you think? Absolutely. Um, I, was, I was kind of amazed that it was sold out. Just Jerry that joined recently couldn't make it. Uh, we had to go at lengths to find him some tickets. Uh, so, so that is very encouraging. I mean, heat pump is the talk of the, talk of the day in the mechanical space. Uh, I heard that they were actually talking about doing one session in the fall in BC. Nice. Which okay. I think is needed. I think especially the Ontario market and the BC market are a bit newer to heat pumps. So it creates some momentum. And I think uh, it's important for contractors to, to learn about, you know, myth busters and uh, best practices for installation. So, uh, so I think this event, like, I, I think next time we'll have way more, way more in, uh, people involved and uh, it, it will become a bigger event than it is today. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, this conversation's kind of leaning towards the residential side, the way it's set up, because, and you can tell us, Lindsay, if, if, if I'm wrong on that, because in order to, to apply for, for the grants and stuff like that that's available, we have to have an energy audit done on the home, and that's, that's kind of your realm. That's, that's where, where you do your business. You want to take us through the whole process of the energy audit and how one would reach out and then just the steps that we need to take in order to get that done. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, in most cases, our business is really referral driven. Um, so with what I do, I, I do the education portion for all of our contractors across the country. Um, as, as a team, our business development team actually works together to make sure that everybody feels comfortable with the process, how Energuy can support them and their, their customers. So like I said, the first step is making sure that homeowners are aware of these rebates. And if they're interested, then we would perform the energy assessment on their home before anything gets installed. Um, the first step is to have the energy assessment done. We would go through the entire home from basement all the way up to the attic. It's an entire home energy assessment. We'll take a look at everything from windows and doors to insulation levels, the type of mechanical systems they have. And uh, it creates a report at the end that will give out as many recommendations as we possibly can. You know, at the end of it, we want homeowners to really understand how their house works as a system um, and to be able to prioritize future upgrades, even if they're not planning to do it right away. Um, from that report, it also generates a heat load and a cooling load calculation, which are, of course, pre-retrofit. So, you know, if they're planning to do other upgrades outside of the heat pump system, that sizing guide that we've created is not going to be 100% relevant. So we, we tend to leave that up to the experts to, to figure out the sizing. Okay, so I, I was unaware of that. So, I mean, you do the, the, the blower door testing, is that right? That's correct. So you actually do the load calc for the, for the home based on the blower door test? It's based on the blower door test, but also all the data that we collect throughout that energy assessment. So, you know, looking at building envelope, a, a heat load calculation has to really take into account all of those different elements. Yeah. Um, and that's that's where we really want to help to educate on whole home as a system. Yeah, and, and the sizing part is super important because, I mean, just going into residential homes and seeing the amount of oversized equipment it's, it's, it's nuts to me because I've been doing load calculations recently seeing that a home may have an 80,000 uh, BTU furnace, but it only needs a 50,000 BTU furnace, right? And, and if we're going to put in a heat pump, you better size it correctly or you're going to have comfort issues. You might have some airflow issues and stuff like that. And, and that's kind of what I was speaking to Dev about last week. I, I gave him the example of what happens a lot here in this general area that, that we're, we're living in here is we could have 50,000 BTUs um, of needed heat, right? But only 24,000 BTUs of needed cooling. So where do we start to size that heat pump? Do we size it? I mean, we got to talk about the retrofit and we got to talk about the new construction. A lot of this is retrofit right now. So let's start with the retrofit. What do we do when we have such a division in, in our heat loss, heat gain? So all my friends in the US listening, guys, if you want to save a little bit of money on your tool purchase, you can do so at True Tech Tools using promo code KNOWITALL, just one word, K-N-O-W-I-T-A-L-L, -L, and it will save you 8% on your purchase at True Tech Tools. Yeah, that's a great uh, question there, Gary. Um, yeah, we run into that situation a lot with our customers. You know, they're walking into homes where there's an 80,000 BTU furnace and a two-ton air conditioner. And, you know, their, their homeowners are hearing about the Greener Homes uh, program, trying to implement heat, heat pumps into their homes. And a lot of homeowners now are interested in getting away from gas with the uh, rising cost of gas. So they want to utilize that heat pump to the max, maximum amount that they can. But it's the contractor's, you know, at the end of the day, contractor's responsibility to make sure that that heat pump system works effectively for that house. So what are the considerations? So I think the first one we have to consider for central systems in this example is the sizing of the ductwork. A lot of the time, the existing ductwork is sized for, you know, back back in the day, it was sized for heating systems, but 
uh, sized for to accommodate the cooling um, that's available in that system. So roughly 400 CFMs per ton of cooling. Yeah. And in a heat pump system, it operates the same way in reverse for heating. So it operates off of a direct expansion cycle. So you're going to have to follow those same airflow requirements on the heating side as well. Um, so that makes it a little bit tricky because if you're trying to implement, you know, just let's take the example of a 60,000 BTU furnace and a two-ton AC. If you're trying to replace that with a five-ton heat pump system, well, now you need almost 2,000 CFM. And that ductwork in that house is not going to be sized for that. Uh, not to mention all the panel upgrades that you may need as well. So our recommendation for a number of reasons is actually to size the heat pump for the cooling load. Um, and one thing that you and I talked about, Gary, that I think is really relevant, is to think about the future of this home. Um, Lindsay and I had talked about that earlier as well. Uh, just in the immediate future, in the next six months while they're going through the grant program, the um, auditors are gonna promote insulation, they're gonna promote window changes, things like that that are gonna affect that heating load. So even you know, looking at Lindsay's Energize report, um, that shows, you know, yeah, the, you know, you have a uh, 80,000 BTU furnace, you only need 60,000 BTUs. If they change any of their insulation uh, windows, anything on the envelope, like through the process, that value is going to change again. So it's good to, to consider that. Um, and essentially in the future, as you know, we, we push towards building decarbonization, essentially the end goal of the government is by 2050, all existing homes and buildings um, including new buildings will be net zero to meet our climate change targets. So that means there's going to be more incentive programs in the future to help reduce that load and decarbonize those buildings. Um, so if you're in installing a five-ton system today in a, in a, in a house that requires 60,000 BTUs, you, you implement a five-ton heat pump system, it's likely that in the future, whether in immediate future or, or long-term future, it's going to be oversized. So we're better off sizing it to that cooling load because that system is going to be better uh, to cover the heating load long term in that building. Yeah, so size closer to the cooling load to meet your airflow requirements um, up front, but also we have to think about supplemental heat, auxiliary heat, just in case we do have, um, because in inverter heat pumps, yes, they work exceptionally well, but as the temperature goes down, so does the, the rating capacity, the rated capacity, it goes down as well. So we have to, to match that up with something that will give us auxiliary heat, right? Yeah, and in this case, uh, more so referring to like for a central system, a gas backup where you can have a hybrid a heating system, dual fuel. Um, but in, a, in an electric case, yeah, you'd need uh, some sort of electric resistance uh, heating in that case, yes. Okay, cool. So I'm gonna bring this to you, Guillaume. Modulating systems. They're, they're a, I talked to Jerry about this. Like they're, they're a game changer as mm -hmm. far as I'm concerned because now, like, we should do our sizing properly, but if our sizing is off by a little bit, we have this massive range of modulation that we can rely on. So you want to talk to that a little bit? Absolutely. And if we look at some systems in, in particular where the inverter will have such a spectrum of capacities, it becomes way more forgiving systems for the, the homeowner and the contractor for his project. So we had one example recently of uh, similar to what you guys were just talking about where the customer had a five ton heating load and about a three ton cooling load. So what we did with, with systems we have today, uh, some systems, some technologies, we can even adjust with dips, dip switches the, cap the rated capacity in cooling and in heating of the same system. 
So with the, in that specific case, we were able to set the system for a five ton in heating, and that same exact system is rated at four ton in cooling. And with the ductwork of, of, the, of the house, and in, the, in that case, with the, the, I know they calculated the, the static pressure at 0.4, we were getting about 35,000 BTUs of cooling. So that same system, the cooling was rated at 35,000 BTUs for, for cooling, five tons for heating. So we, with that system, that house, that was, um, that was working perfectly. And you can adjust those dip switch settings back. So in the future, if the house becomes more insulated, let's say they change the windows, they add wall insulation, five ton heating is now too much. With the same dip switch adjustment, that same system, that inverter system could be brought down to a four ton heating system as well. So it gives you that flexibility that we didn't have in the past when we had just on-off systems that would go on, go off. But with a heat pump, you, you will have all types of other issues if, if, if you have that same problem of oversizing the equipment, especially in cooling mode where you'll have high pressure issues, short cycling issues, and the house might not be as comfortable where you don't get rid of the, of, you don't, in the summer, you don't get rid of the humidity. You just cool for a short period of time, then it goes away. So you don't take advantage of that inverter compressor the way you should. And you take maximum advantage of that inverter compressor when you kind of, uh, you don't oversize. You size it right, or you might even undersize it slightly. But sizing it right is really, really, I would say, uh, paramount to reaping all the benefits. Sorry, uh, if I could interject, yeah, the, what Guillaume is saying is super important, the, that range of modulation for that inverter heat pump and paying attention to that because from a sizing perspective, you know, we size for air conditioning for, you know, the worst case scenarios. We size for heating for the worst case scenarios. But what about the shoulder seasons? From a comfort perspective, we need that right sizing throughout the year to prevent, you know, cycling uh, of the systems. So. At the end of the day, um, that range of modulation makes sure that, you know, during the shoulder seasons or even when it's not the peak of summer or the peak of winter, that we have a system that's resilient that can adapt to the changing heating and cooling loads of that house. Um, so that's that's really important. Yeah, adaptation is, is great. Uh, and, and that inverter system helps with that. Lindsay, I want to get your thoughts on what these guys are talking about. This inverter technology, modulation, um, sizing equipment, that we don't have to have the, the science exact because our equipment can modulate. Are you seeing this as a benefit to, to your part of the industry? I think so. I mean, one of the best things for homeowners when it comes to any kind of equipment change in their house is flexibility, yeah. having options. Um, you know, even just in, in the option of having a dual fuel type of system, it gives people the flexibility and, and options that they're going to need to feel comfortable, especially going from, you know, mostly gas uh, heating in our homes to either a hybrid type of gas and electric heat pump system or all electric. You know, people tend to resist change. So when they have options that make sense to them, mm -hmm. it's, it's going to be a no-brainer. Yeah. So your customer base... I, I want to ask you, like, who who do you see doing the energy audits and transitioning to, to, to heat pumps the most? Is it up in the country where they want to get rid of propane because the expense? Is it in the city where they, like, what are you seeing? We're seeing a mix of everything. Yeah. It, it doesn't seem to be location-based. It seems to be more, um, to be completely honest, which companies are offering heat pumps? If they're offering heat pumps and talking about rebates, people are buying them. Yeah. 
if you're if you're not talking about rebates and you're not offering heat pumps, people aren't going with that quote most times. Mm -hmm. it, it's it's the trend. You know, two years ago when this program first came out, I was talking about heat pumps with the HVAC industry and everyone was telling me, Lindsay, these won't sell in Ontario. We're not going to sell heat pumps here. This is crazy. I don't want to learn this. I'm close to retirement. Yeah. I don't want to have to learn how to service or install new equipment. And, you know, two years in now, I've been pushing this and pushing this and pushing this. <laughs> and, you know, I'm, every single contractor is now reaching out going, okay, please help me understand what product I can offer that's eligible. Help me understand how these rebate programs work because customers are asking about it. And they're going to lose out on business if they're not part of what's Absolutely. happening, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, Guillaume, I'm going to bring this back to you. I've had a lot of people um, through online discussions and stuff say to me that heat pumps don't work in cold climates, right? And, and you kind of smirk at that after going through some training up here and, and seeing the technology advance. Can you speak to how well heat pumps, especially inverter heat pumps, are doing in these climates that we're, that we're seeing in Canada? I've been talking till my brain hurts about acid neutralization, condensate neutralization. Condensate that comes from a high efficiency appliance is acidic. I've measured it. I've seen what can happen when you don't use condensate neutralizers. So Rector Seal has one that's on the market now. It's called the PH Pro. If you guys are in the market looking to upgrade your game a bit when you when it comes to your installs, it's it's a code in a lot of places too, guys. Check out the PH Pro by Rector Seal. Yeah, absolutely. So if we rewind just 10 years ago, that was true. What what these guys were saying yeah. was that heat pumps past minus 15 Celsius, that wasn't really working uh, any good. But the technologies have evolved so much in the past 10 years in the heat pump game that now this is no longer true. And uh, even your standard like inverter that aren't even rated for cold climate as a cold climate heat pump will operate at minus 20 Celsius. A thing that's different today is that we have really like guys that focus like manufacturers focusing on cold climate heat pumps and they want to, to me a cold climate heat pump. The definition is not really clear out there. But there's, uh, there's NEEP, right? The Northeastern Energy uh, Efficiency um, Program. And these guys rate heat pumps at uh, minus, uh, in Celsius, I think it's minus 15 Celsius. And they want to make sure that at minus 15 Celsius, you still have over 70% capacity. And that is kind of a standard now for a cold climate heat pump. Even that standard is not very hard to achieve anymore. Mm -hmm. So we have heat pumps that we don't consider cold climate heat pump that qualify for that. We now actually have heat pumps that have 80% capacity at minus 30 Celsius. So 80% of the rated capacity at minus 30 Celsius. And minus 30 Celsius, if you look at the winter, let's say in Toronto or Montreal, you might have a few hours of minus 30 Celsius, but the bulk of the winter is actually at minus five, maybe even zero, maybe minus 10, but it, it's in between those ranges where you're well over 100% of your rated capacity. Yeah. So, and, and I would always advise to have backup heat in your home, but not necessarily to supplement the heat pump. It's more of a backup if let's say you have a failure with your system because systems will eventually fail uh, in a 10 year period and you don't want to be without heat you know, if uh, let's say you have a, an electronic board that goes bad and you need 24 hours, so then you have your backup heat. Yeah. But uh, other than that, I mean, heat pumps, they can and have been doing like we, we have systems that are over five years old 
that, that have been doing minus 30 Celsius uh, installed in places up north. You were talking about sizing heat pumps properly. There are still places like in Alaska, you really don't size for cooling. And that, that's because it's, it's not a need over there. In yeah. the mountains in Colorado, some places, they strictly size for heating. And those guys have been using those heat pumps for over five years and no issues uh, when it gets really, really cold, like minus 22 Fahrenheit, minus 30 Celsius and below. Okay, I want to ask you one more question because there's some things, factors that a, a cold weather heat pump may need, may not need. For instance, uh, a, a heater in the bottom of the outdoor unit to melt any ice or water that might, or the ice to turn it to water to drain it off. If we don't have these, that ice can accumulate up, cause damage to the fan, the coil, um, and potentially wind baffles just to stop that, that cold mm -hmm. gushing of wind. Are these things, are you seeing a need for these things in cold weather heat pumps? Absolutely, so the, a cold climate heat pump should always come equipped with a pan heater at the bottom yeah. so you can melt down that, 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 that water that will freeze when you have a defrost cycle. But there are lots of other little technologies. So you'll have your pan eater. You'll have the defrost technology. The logic behind the defrost is very important. It's no longer a time defrost every 50 minutes. It's now basically there are sensors in the indoor unit, in the outdoor unit that sense the temperature of the coil, the temperature of the tem uh, out outside, the temperature inside. And they will decide when you need to make a defrost to have the least possible amount of defrost for maximum operation time inside got it so so those technologies have improved tremendously you have vapor injection compressors so 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 that that's very different from your standard compressor that that was just a, an inverter compressor but now with vapor injection you achieve better cops more capacities in cold climates that was the big game changer i would say for cold climate heat pumps and uh, all the components now are rated at minus 40 fahrenheit minus 40 celsius so your PCB board, all your components that go outside are tested in those temperatures, which wasn't the case also before. You wouldn't test your PCB board at minus 40 when they were at the factory, where now the sensors, the PCB boards, the fan motors, all those key components are rated for those temperatures. Awesome. Okay, so we did our, we did our energy audit with Lindsay, right? And I want to ask you about the NR, is it, is it NRCAN that, that has the sizing program or the sizing tool? Yep. You want to talk about that for a minute? Yeah, it's a great, uh, great tool for contractors uh, to be aware of because it helps us uh, basically size up and, and show um, the benefit to the homeowner of that heat pump system. So what it will do is you, so it doesn't actually do the heat gain heat loss. Um, you, you still need the, those values. Yeah, you have um, to do it separately, you right? You have to do those and separately. Plug it in. So you would do that through an HVAC designer, um, uh, through an F280-12 method. Um, but what you can do is you plug in the heat gain, heat loss, and then it models it uh, basically linearly against the, um, the outdoor temperature. Uh, so basically from like uh, 60 Fahrenheit to whatever your de outdoor design temperature for heating is. Uh, and then it models it um, kind of as a linear regression back to 60 Fahrenheit. And then you, what you do is you put in your heat pump uh, curves. So basically the different capacities and different COPs of the heat pump um, at different outdoor temperatures. And it models that um, against each other to figure out where that heat pump will actually um, keep up before needing backup. Um, or uh, it can actually do it based off economic uh, balance points. So where that heat pump is less um, or more expensive to operate than your backup, whether it be gas or electric or propane. 
Um, so it's a really unique tool just from a uh, perspective of being able to set up your heat pump system. Yep. Once you know your heat gain, um, or sorry, your heat loss of the building, and then figure out where your heat pump needs the, that backup. So that you know when you're setting up your, uh, your controls to figure out when that auxiliary should come on, um, that's how you would do it, as using that tool, modeling the building load uh, against the heat pump ca uh, capacity. Perfect. Okay, so we'll, we'll end this off with you, Lindsay. And, and I think this is a, a good question to ask people. And I don't know if you've ever done this, but after people go in, you do your energy audit, you tell them what needs to be upgraded to, to increase the efficiency of the energy in the home. Are you going back afterwards and doing another energy audit to show them exactly what they're saving and how they've saved? Are you doing, are you doing that at all? Yeah, we always do a final assessment after okay. they finish all their upgrades that yeah. are rebate eligible. Um, first and foremost, it's going to document those changes as proof for Natural Resources Canada or the provincial programs to pay out the rebates. But secondly, it also allows us to then model the before and after snapshot of energy savings within the house. So we give a, a rating label to every single house that goes through the program. Um, they also get the final homeowner information sheets, which will show all of the specs for the home currently, you know, after those upgrades have been done. It also shows them exactly how many gigajoules of energy they saved by doing, you know, XYZ upgrades. So um, it's, it's a really nice way to help understand your home and also, you know, get some good hard-earned money back. Hope you enjoyed the show. Follow HVAC Know It All on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, LinkedIn, and anywhere else Gary feels like popping up. This has been a Two Smokes and a Coffee production.